But I've got a, a confession uh, today to make, and, and I know you guys all like it when I start off with a confession because it makes you feel better about yourselves. Um, but this is more like a preacher uh, confession. Because uh, if you, you're a Christian, like you felt this for, uh, at times as well. Like don't you wish that sometimes God would, would speak to so obvious, like, like he would speak to us today like he kind of did in the Old Testament? Like has anybody ever thought that? Yeah, for example, like you're trying to figure out to, to take a job or not take a job. Like you got a job offer and you're praying and you're like, man, God, what, what should I do? Should I take the job? And you just hear, take the job. Like that would make it pretty easy, wouldn't it? Or, or, or maybe um, you're going, God, you're driving down the road. God, I just want to hear your voice. Should I, should I date this guy or, or not? And God's like, no. And you're like, okay, I'll probably do it anyway. Um, <laughs> But like, wouldn't it be awesome if, if God just spoke like that? Yeah, like I, I, I think that sometimes. And I used to think that, man, if God spoke to me like the way he spoke in the Bible, like I would never miss it. Like that I would be yes, and that like I would always do what, what, what he told me to do. And the only problem with that really is the people that God spoke to in the Bible that heard his voice like that, and they missed it. Like, there's a guy in the Bible who's famous for missing, and his name's Jonah. You remember Jonah? God was like, hey, I want you to go to, to Nineveh. And he went to the, tried to go to the other side of the world, and then there was this whole fish thing that happened, and God got him back on track. But there are people all throughout the scripture, like, God would say, hey, this is what I want, and they would be like, I don't know. And they would push back. In fact, this is what I think. I think people from the Bible, if, if they could sit down with us today, I think they'd be like, like, you've got a, a book of God's word, and you've got, like, the Holy Spirit, like, living inside of you, and he's always with you? I think they would say, oh, you got it way better than we had it. Because for us, like, this frightening angel had to show up and, like, make our, wet ourselves, and, and, like, and they, like, they were scary, because, like, the first thing they always say is, do not be afraid. Why? Because they're terrifying. Like, and the reason I bring that up is because, like I said earlier, God, I think God's always speaking. God's voice is always, uh, always present. And he wants us to hear his voice sometimes more than I think that we even want to hear it. So today we're going to, to tune in to, uh, to, to hearing God's voice. And we're going to talk about two questions uh, today. And there's a right question and there is a, a, a wrong question. And we get this from the story of Moses because we're in this series called Exodus that we started last night or last week. And last week, if you remember, I'll set it up real quick, we talked about uh, the Egyptians, right? The, the Egyptians, they oppressed uh, the Israelites, and the Israelites were making babies, and they were like, hey, we got to stop this. So they started oppressing them even more, and they continued to make more babies. And then Pharaoh said, we've got to throw the male babies into the river. And then Moses' mom put him in a basket, and uh, he didn't drown because Pharaoh's daughter came, and she got him, and he grew up in the palace for 40 years, and then he went out one day, and he killed a, uh, an Egyptian who was fighting with a Hebrew, um, and then he got found out, so he ran off to Midian. He met a guy named Jethro, married his daughter. Like someone's like, man, he's the guy who's about ready to speak in tongues. Um, but remember, like we had like Moses and his stinky feet. He's walking in the desert, and he walked upon the bush, and, and the Bible says that it wasn't just a burning bush, that it was the, the angel of the Lord in the bush that was on fire. And we said, that's a, an Old Testament appearance of, of Jesus. And I'm going to go ahead and, and put my cards on the table and tell you 
that if I go for a walk this evening and I see a bush and there's Jesus standing on fire just speaking to me, like I think that I would probably like to do whatever he tells me to do. Like, would you agree with that? Like, I would think that I'm going to agree with him. But let's watch what Moses does. We're in Exodus chapter three. And keep in mind, like, we can't be too hard on Moses because Moses hadn't uh, read the book of Exodus yet. Like, Moses doesn't know what's about to happen. But Moses is standing there, and, and Jesus is speaking to him. And this is what Jesus says in Exodus chapter three, verse seven. It says, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Now I wanna pause real quick and say to somebody, this is the word that God wants you to hear. Like I want you to pay attention to this because you've, you've been wrestling with something this week and maybe your question when you walked in today was does God even know I exist? And look at what God says there. He says, I have seen, I have heard, and I'm aware. God's like, I know what's going on. In fact, he tells Moses, I know stuff about your problem that you don't even know about your problem. And now at this point, Moses is, is kind of doing the, the head nodding thing. Like, yeah, this is good stuff. And that's kind of like the, the, the prelude to an amen. Like I'm telling you, what, like what happens a lot of times is church people, like they're not used to saying amen, so they just kind of do the, the, the prelude, and they kind of nod their head. And then, then the next step is, is, is what I like to call the moo. Like they go, mmm. Like that, that's right before and every other people come to church, like, why do people moo? Like I, don't, like, I don't know. But right after that, there'll be, there'll be an amen. And Moses is listening, and he's going, man, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And then God goes on, and he says this, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's the land that's flowing with milk and honey, the land where the, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jeb Jebusites now live. And here's what's amazing. Like the first part about that, that like it's amazing, is God says, hey, I don't wanna just set them free from slavery. Like now that would be cool. God said I wanna set them free from slavery and I wanna give them a land that they can't even conceive. Like they can't even think about how good it is. Like it's going to, to blow their mind. Later in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and, and Deuteronomy, God will spell out, he says, I'm going to bring them into a land where, where there'll be houses that they don't have to build. There'll be cities that they don't have to build. There'll be vineyards that they didn't have to plant. God said, not only am I gonna bring you out of slavery, but I'm going to bring you into the most abundant life you can ever imagine. When you're a slave, you have no idea how much freedom that you actually have in Christ. The second thing that's mind-blowing about this passage is, is the gods. Like, this was a, a polytheistic um, society, especially the Egyptians. They had all kinds of gods. And in this time period, the gods, they didn't do things for people. People did things for the gods. Like, you had to sacrifice goats and animals, and some tribes sacrificed their children in, in order to get their gods' attention. So the fact that God wanted to do something for a group of people that, that had done nothing to earn it, it was almost like this thing called grace in the Old Testament. And so Moses at this point, he's still kind of nodding his head. He's like, man, I'm into this. And in fact, he's like, man, this is really good. And it says this, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. 
And Moses, by this time, like he's shaking his head and what, what God does, like he gets to see something. And, and, and that's kind of what happens. Like at first God breaks our heart over something and we start shaking our head. Yep, man, that, that's awful. What's happening to those people? Like, and then like, and then there's always this oh no moment. Like, like the oh no moment. And God says this, now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of the land of Egypt. Like Moses was good up to that point. Like, yeah, like that's good. You're gonna set them free? Like you've seen their sorrow, you've heard about them? Oh wait, you want me to go? Like I, I thought you said you wanted, you wanted me to do it. And the guy in the bush is like, yeah, that's what I said. See, most people, like, they know, if you're honest, like, most of us, we're incredibly submitted to God's global will. Like, we want God to do some amazing things in the world. Like, we know that. But when it comes to, to God's personal will for our life, and God's like, hey, man, like, I want you to change the world. I want you to make the world a better place. I want you to take your next step. And we're like, hey, I want you to leave me alone. Like, I want you to do some great things, but... And that's the thing, like, I don't know how many people I've offended. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute, but how many people I've offended because they come to me and they say, hey, God laid this on my heart. I think the church ought to do it. And I'm like, no, if God laid it on your heart, you ought to do it. Because I, I don't have time to do everything that, that, everybody, that God's laid on everybody's heart. And that's kind of what Moses is like. Moses is like, man, that's a great idea. Somebody ought to do that, God. You ought to do that. And God's like, no, I'm calling you. I, I want you to do that. I want you to be involved. So Moses thought, yeah, man, these people should get set free. That, that's a good idea. And God said, you're gonna do it. And he was like, oh, no. I'm not sure about that. And so once again, we keep, keep this in mind. Is, is where we started out by saying, God, if God would appear like the way that he appeared in, in the scriptures and talked to us the way that he talked to, us, to, to them in the scriptures, then we'd be sold out and bought in. So this is Jesus in the middle of, on fire in the middle of a bush, and he's saying, I want you to do, and, and most people think, well, here's where you break out with I surrender all, and you sing all 478 verses, and you just kind of go face down, and, and you do whatever God tells you to do. But watch what Moses says. But Moses protested. Now, it was mostly a peaceful protest, so it didn't get much coverage. Um, but Moses protested to God. And then he asked this question, and it's an important question because he asked it twice. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses was like, I think that's a great idea. But you got the wrong guy. Maybe my father-in-law Jethro, like he's a, he's a priest. Uh, like you, you want him. You want the preacher to go lead these people out. Like, God, I've been hanging out and dealing with these stupid sheep for 40 years and walking around the desert with stinky feet and stinky sheep, and I don't know why you're calling me or why you're trying to get me involved. There are people who are way more qualified than I. Who, who am I, Moses said. Like, Moses had this thing, I think, where he thought, he thought, well, was, well there's some problems with this. And I think maybe he, he thought three things 
And here's number one. He, he probably thought, like many of us, I'm too bad. I'm too bad. I'm too bad. Now, I want you to do, a fa- do me a favor, and I want you to think real quick. Um, and it's going to get personal. But I want you to think about the most messed up, jacked up, sinful thing you've ever done. Just think about it for a second. Everybody got it? All right, turn to your neighbor and tell him. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I got that would get... Like, that'd get weird. Like confession time gets weird. But, but here's the deal. Like probably nobody in this room like sat there and thought, sin? Like, I haven't done anything wrong. Like I might be perfect. I might be sinless. Like nobody thought that. And if you did think that, like we need to talk after the service because you probably shouldn't come back here because you'll get messed up here. But most of you like, most, like, most of you are sitting on a lie. Your driver's license. The weight you told them, like you may have never been at that weight. <laughs> but that, this, is, this is one of the things I love about the Bible. Like, and one of the reasons why I believe the, the Bible is, is not some made up book by a bunch of men and women that wanted to make themselves look good. Because everyone in the Bible other than Jesus is messed up. Like Noah was, was a drunk, Moses was um, uh, was, a, was a murderer, um, probably would have been a drunk too if he'd walked around sheep for 40 years, I don't know. Um, if not, he missed an opportunity. Abraham was a liar. Like David was an adulterer, Peter denied, Thomas was a doubter, Paul was, Paul was a murderer. Everybody in the Bible other than Jesus was messed up. And that's why I'm so glad, and I heard this years ago, that God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Like we can't be used by God until we understand that it's his mercy and his grace to begin with. So I'm too bad is an excuse because it's about his goodness. The second one, I mean, I've ran too far. If you're in this room and you think you've gone too far, I just wanna tell you, man, you've not gone too far. God will knew what you would do before he created you and he created you anyway and he covered that sin with his grace if you have air in your lungs, there's potential in your life. There's a great story in Luke chapter uh, 15 uh, where, uh, about the prodigal son. And you know it, I've preached it so many times if you've been around. Like the son runs as far away as he can, squanders his life with, um, with, with debauchery and, and horrid living. And yet when he comes back, the father welcomes him in. You've not gone too far. And the last one, like, and I have a gift. Um, I don't have many gifts, but one of my gifts is uh, offending church people. Like, I'm good at it. Spiritual gift. Um, and I'm gonna exercise that gift now because um, I'm gonna share something with you that, that's in the Bible, and uh, the longer you've been in church, the more offended you, you're likely going to be because I'm gonna share something that you didn't learn in Sunday school. But, but it's in the scriptures, and, and I'm gonna share it because every once in a while, I don't know about you, but, but I need an adult illustration because the Sunday school God won't do for my adult problems. And, and I have, and I live in an adult world with adult problems, and sometimes Sunday school Jesus um, just isn't, isn't gonna cut it. Like, I need a real God who can meet me uh, where I am and speak my language and talk to me in my situation. Like, I hope you can handle it. If not, Todd will be out in the lobby after the service. You can talk to him. But number three, it's, it's too late. 
It's too late. Moses was 80. 80. And at 80, like, you don't plan on launching a new business when you're 80. Like, Moses is, is probably like, God, come on. The wife and I, we just bought a, an RV. We're going to travel. Like, we're going to do things. I've been walking around with these sheep. I'm tired. I'm just ready uh, for, for, for retirement. Like, you're not planning the next phase of your life when you're 80. You're planning retirement if you haven't already done it, or you're planning on how to spend the rest of your 401k before you die. Moses was like, man, God, maybe when I was 20, when I was, when I was 30, when I was 40, like, God, this would have been great, but I'm 80. I'm tired. But Moses, something happened. Like, Moses got his passion back. He got, his, he got his fire back. In fact, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he wrote the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses wanted us to know something about him. And he, and he put it this way at the very end in Deuteronomy 34, 7. Uh, right before he climbed up on a hill and died, this is what he said. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyesight was clear. He's got me beat already, like I've got glasses now. And he was as strong as ever. What he could bench press at, at 120 was what he could bench press at 30. But I was digging into this, like he was as strong as, he ever, as ever. And it's an interesting phrase. A Jewish commentator, a rabbinical Jew, uh, actually, he said this, that he still had his, the word there is vigor. Like there's a word that we don't use a lot, vigor. Like how do you feel? I'm vigorous. Like the Hebrew word associated with it is, is L-E-J-O, and I'm not gonna try to pronounce it in Hebrew because it's, it's causing me to spit on people. But and very often, that word in the Hebrew language had a sexual innuendo to it. So the text literally says to some Hebrew scholars that Moses' eyesight was still clear and he could still perform. You didn't learn that in Sunday school class. Hey, mom, look at this picture I drew of Moses. Like, no, like... <laughs> And I was like, why would Moses say that about himself? And it's because the physical reference was often connected to, to the spiritual. And, and I'm just like, Moses is talking spiritual. It's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. See those 40 years that he wandered in the desert? He had no passion for God because he had no connection with God. But when Moses got connected with God on an intimate level, like he got this passion back inside of him. He had this desire back inside of him. And because of that, he led over a million people from Egypt to the banks of the Jordan River. And it, why? Because, because he was so good? No, because he got his passion back from his connection with God. And it's not too late when we can find our passion at any stage in life. So Moses is protesting. He's going and says, who am I? Who am I? And I love this. God doesn't even answer the question because that's the wrong question. He skips right over it. He said, God answered, I'll be with you. Well, God, that's not what I asked. But, but I'll be with you. And this is your sign the, that I'm the one who sent you when you've brought the people out of Egypt. You will worship God at this very mountain. He skipped right over the question. Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, baby, let my people. Like, if you weren't in youth group in the 90s, you have no idea what that was. But it was actually a song. Um, but verse 13, it says, Moses protested. Again, you see what's going on here? 
Like if God would appear to me and, and talk to me the way he did in the Bible, I would say yes. Well, Moses didn't, and he's one of the greatest men and God like ever. And he says this, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, you were on fire in a bush talking to me, like the God of, of your ancestors has sent me to, to you and they'll, they will ask, what is his name? What should I tell them? I mean, what's your name, Mr. Man on Fire in the Bush? It's a legit question, right? So don't miss this, though. At first, he asked, who am I? And God didn't even answer the question. Then he said, who are you? See, when God's speaking to us, the wrong question is, who am I? And the right question is, who are you? Who are you? Like, what, what's your name? And Moses got out his little notebook and his pen, and he's ready to write. Like, I just need to know what your name is. And this is what God said. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What's your name? I am, I am. Sam, I am. Like, do you like green eggs and ham? And like, what's your name? Like, I am. How, how weird would that be if you met somebody in the lobby and they said, hey, like, what's your name? Like, I am. You're what? Like, I, that's a weird name. God, there's a lot of names that God could have used that, that would have covered things. Like, there's like Jehovah Nisi and, and Jehovah Nitsu and Jehovah Rapha and there's Yahweh and there's Adonai and there's El, Sh El Shaddai. Like, there's all kinds of things that God could have said, but he chooses to use I am. Like, that was one of the, like, just breeze over passages when I would read the, the scripture for a long time. I was just kind of breeze over that. Like, I didn't understand it. But actually, when you think about it, that answers a lot of, of questions. His name is the answer to, to the question. Like, well, what are you talking about? So God's name is, is anyone aware of how much I'm struggling right now? Is anybody aware of, of, of the, the depression that's going on in my life? And God just simply says, I am. So you thought you were alone, and God's name reminds us that, that he's with us every single second of the struggle. See, some people have told you if, you if you struggle, you're not godly. And I don't think that at all. I think that, that because you're struggling, it's a sign that, that you're in the fight. You're trying to do the right thing. And God says, I am. I feel all alone. I don't feel like anybody's with me. God says, I am. I'm not strong enough to, to do, God, what you're asking me to do. I am. I'm not good enough, God. Like, I've messed up so many times. Like, I, there's no way, God. Like, I'm too bad. And God's like, I'm not. Like, I, I am good. I'm enough. I love reading through Romans. And see, Paul, like, if, if you're gonna make a top 10 list of Christians of all time, like, Paul should be on everybody's list. This is what Paul said in Romans chapter seven. I wonder if anybody's ever felt this way. He said, I don't really understand myself. For I wanna do what is right, but I don't do it. And instead, I do what I hate. If we keep going, he says, I, I wanna do what is right, but I can't. Um, I, I wanna do what is good, but I don't. Um, but I don't. I don't wanna do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody ever struggle that way? Paul struggled. But God helped him, and he went on the right at the, the end of chapter seven and the first part of chapter eight, uh, talking about some, some trash talk. Like, this was Paul trash talking the devil. 
He, said, he writes all that stuff. I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do, and all of that. And he said, who will save me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God who, who, who gives us victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he would say this, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. And he tells us if our mind is set on the spirit, then we can live in, in freedom. Like Romans chapter eight is so beautiful. Paul said, I struggle, but then when I turn to the spirit, the spirit helps me with my struggles so that I can overcome the struggle. Not with my own strength, but through the spirit. Like next week, we're gonna talk about uh, the power of God. Don't miss next week. But is anyone aware of my struggle? God says, I am. How about this one? Is anyone able to put my broken life back together? God says, I am. You've ever felt broken? Like I've been there, God says, I'm the one who can put the pieces back together. I've got this. Last but not least, is anyone willing to love me in my current condition? And God says, I am. Like a lot of times we get the idea that this mentality in the church kind of teaches this, that God's in love with some future version of you. Like right now, he kind of maybe likes you or he tolerates you. But man, once you start reading your Bible, once you start praying, once you start going to church, once you start tithing and volunteering and inviting people, then God will love you. Listen, that's wrong. God loves you right now, right as you are. You know, well, Josh, like, I'm a mess. That's not a secret. He knows and he loves you. I remember when Caitlin was, was maybe a year, year and a half old. She's sitting in her high chair and she just, like, she just started puking. Like, I'm talking exorcism type puking. Like, it's flying everywhere. It's all over her. It's all over her high chair. Like, it was, like, I'll never forget it. Like, it was like, I stood there and I'm looking like, what do we do now? And then she held out her arms and she went, Daddy. Now, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't say, hey, do not call me daddy. You are your mother's child. I'll tell you what. You get yourself cleaned up, and you get, you get this floor cleaned up, you get this wall cleaned up, you get all this cleaned up, and then you can call me daddy. No, like I didn't do that. Why? Because I'm her father. Like I'm bigger than the mess that she made. And when she held out her arms and she said, Daddy, like I didn't run away from her. I ran to her and picked her up, mess and all. And I cleaned up the floor and I cleaned up the wall and I cleaned up the carpet and cleaned up the mess. Like I'm her father. And that's what a father does when his child reaches out and says, hey, Daddy. The father steps in and he cleans up the mess. Listen, the price that he paid is way bigger than the mess that you've made. Like, I don't care how bad you think you've messed up. God loves you right now. You're not as you will be, but he still loves you now. And for some people today, you just need to maybe say, Father, I've ran. I've made a mess. I've gone pretty far. But today I'm coming back home. I'm gonna ask you to stand like when God speaks, there are two questions. You can ask, who am I? 
And that's the wrong question. Because when you look at your own life, you're, you're gonna feel like you're not enough. You're gonna feel like you're too bad, that you're too old, that you're too late, that you've gone too far. The better question is, God, who are you? Because when you see God for who he really is, it changes everything. And I know God's speaking today. He's calling people to himself, and I'm gonna pray, and, and if, if you want to answer that call today, come find Todd or Seth or myself up front. Father God, today, we're thankful that you do still speak to us. Father, I pray right now that you would give us ears to, to hear what you're saying, and you'd give us boldness to take whatever next step you're placing in front of us. God, we thank you for being the, the great I am. To every question, to every situation, to every, every need that we have, you are the one who can fill it. It's in the name of Jesus who died for us, I pray. Amen.